What if each one of us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way? Join Mindful Money Management, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner at Asante Wealth Management. I'm really excited today to chat with my guest, Aisha Hogan. She is a very energetic person. I'm going to keep the introductions very intentionally short today because I joyfully anticipate that we're going to have a lot to share today. Aisha is a bookkeeper, a television show host, and entrepreneur whose organizational skills have helped bring financial balance to her clients for years. Today, she goes further to help balance clients' money esteem, and that's what we're going to learn about today. Welcome to the show this morning. Hi, Lynn. How are you? Thank you for having me. I am great. It's a beautiful morning in southern Ontario today. Have you had a chance to poke your head out? I have, briefly, briefly, just taking my dog out for a walk. It's beautiful and sunny, finally. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we have to enjoy all of these nice days. I think that's the message for us. In the winter we've come out of is that we have to really take advantage of these nice days. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Aisha, what do you mean when you talk about money esteem? Okay, so as you all may or may not know, every single thing, living or non-living, is energy. It's made up of energy. And quantum physics will speak to that. So everything is made up of energy, including money. And since energy affects us, plain and simple in so many ways. Uh, It's become a priority in our lives, a necessity, and therefore it has the ability to affect us both positively and negatively. So money esteem is basically how we allow that money to affect us on a sort of mind, body, spirit level, as well as on a practical level of how we deal with it every day. Okay, so would you say that for some people, and maybe for many people, that self-worth and value, we constantly attach to the availability of money? Absolutely, absolutely. Money has become so important in our lives. I mean, it makes the world go around. Whether we like it or not, it's something that we have to deal with. And it affects our confidence levels, our worthiness. It can cause depression, entitlement in some It's how we communicate. It's whether we feel we can follow our life's path. We've allowed it to define us. Okay. And do you think that people sometimes use money to satisfy a lack of self-worth? Absolutely. Like, you know, we all hear the, the terminology of retail therapy. We've all been guilty of that. I think some people take it to the extreme. Um, I don't know if anybody knows, but I used to host a show called Max Out Once Upon a Time. You know, we had some interesting interesting women on there, but sometimes it can become an addiction. Just like alcoholism, just like drug addiction, it's getting that fix to make us feel better. If we have stuff around us, we feel better as, as a human being. We feel like now we're worthy. Okay. Here's another thought. So we talk about that, you know, spending foolishly on one end of the spectrum. And the opposite end of the spectrum is being miserly, never just not spending anything on ourselves, and the opposite being, you know, spending foolishly. 
Can you speak to us from the sense that possibly those might both come from a sense of fear? Absolutely. If you're not spending because you're afraid, okay, so again, it's a, it's a thing of money esteem. It's our worthiness. So if we don't have enough money, if we feel that we cannot do the things that we want to do, we just hold on to it. It's almost like, I'm just trying to use a word, and, and the word that's coming into my mind right now is, is like hoarding, right? So mm-hmm. it's just hold on to it for fear that if we spend it, oh, my God, what will happen to us? I can only talk in the extremes here. Or spending too much sure. so that we're worthy. The funny thing about it is, is we'll say things like, so just verbiages that people use and can identify with. Sorry, I can't come out tonight. I don't have enough money. Can't come out with you guys tonight. Don't have enough money. If we all know about the law of attraction, scarcity brings scarcity. So obviously that's something that we don't want to be saying. Secondly, it's a way of avoiding. We feel so bad in some cases. Again, not every case. We feel so bad that we are not able to do the things that we want to do. It starts bringing us into a depression, starts questioning our worthiness, that we almost start to use money as a way of avoiding. Avoiding situations that make us feel even further unworthy. When we watch our friends buying drinks or buying that steak at dinner or whatever, and we're like, I can't do that. I feel like I can't do that. So avoid that situation altogether instead of, Maybe just going out, having a great time, ordering a small salad, still enjoying everything that's going on around you, still being a part of life. But we're allowing the money to take control of what we can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. So you said you're using these extremes, but I think that I think using the extremes is very effective because we can see which way we tend to be, right? What I want to clarify and what's really important for me to clarify is that the automatic thought process is to go to people that don't have money. Money esteem is not just about people that have not. It's all about people that have as well. Sometimes people that have, and I've, got, I've, I've dealt with a lot of people in my lifetime, and sometimes people that have a lot also forget themselves just a little bit, and they become and behave entitled. They forget that people around them don't work for them. And even if they do, there's a way to talk to people. So all of that also affects their balance. They are causing themselves and their own spirit, their own balance, their own energy damage by being that, I'm just going to say rude, to Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. that don't have what they have. Right. Again, I'm talking extremes. There's a lot of people who have that are very generous and very kind and all of that. But then, you know, just like in every culture, we've we've got a varying amount of people. Everybody's not the same. And when I talk about money esteem, I just want to be clear that I'm not talking about just those people that cannot or are having difficulty dealing with their day-to-day lives. Yeah. And I would say we can probably all think of someone who has that entitled attitude. You know, I have to think back, you know, years and years and years ago when I was in high school, I worked as a waitress, you know, and right. I just, I just have no patience for anyone who talks down to anyone. I can just feel the hair on the back of my neck going up when you hear someone talking down to the waitress, right? You know, do you want somebody to do something for you? You don't talk down to them. You know, so I know what I, I know what you're saying there, and, and I believe that, you know, probably we could all think of a time when that has been very annoying to us. The other thing I would say, you know, when you say I'm not just talking to the people that feel they don't have money, but I'm also going to say that 
there's many people who have enough who have more than enough. Okay, so there's people right. that have more yep. than enough but still live in fear. Yes. Right, because the fear yes. is inside of them. The, the fear is not based on the circumstances. And the fear could be based on something else. And that's why money esteem can lead to other things. Like, for instance, okay, so in my sort of regression therapies and, and hypnosis therapies that I'm always continually learning, and sometimes people will come to you for something as simple as, and I'm going to use it as an example, will come and say, I want to quit smoking or I bite mm-hmm. my nails. And right. those things are not about those things. Mm-hmm. It's about something else causing okay. them to do that. So it's a, it's a coping mechanism. So sometimes not uh, spending or fear of spending can be a coping mechanism for something entirely different. When I'm talking about healing someone's money esteem, I do deal with all the other issues as well. Money esteem is only one of the healings that I do, but it's also finding out what is the root cause. It's like troubleshooting. Okay. If my dryer's not right. working, it's not because I pushed a button and it's not working, the button needs to be replaced. It's usually something else. There's another cause and I need to find out what that cause is. And once you help someone with that, then you can deal with the rest of it. Right. So what you're saying is there's a lot of things that money can teach us. Absolutely. And it brings out all of our good and bad. (laughs) It brings out all the angels and the demons. Ah, okay. Because it just becomes so so important. It is so important to us. All right. So we have these things that are kind of playing in the background. And how are they affecting people's behavior then? Okay, so it makes them feel, and as as I was saying earlier, it can affect them in a whole whack of different ways. But just as an example, their confidence levels, whether they feel worthy. It's almost like their self-esteem, right? So you can have Mm -hmm. a high self-esteem or a low self-esteem, and it can range how severe or how unnoticeable that can be or how you can keep that inside. Some people are really good at living inside the bubble. So they, they're inside, they're ripping themselves apart, but on the outside, they appear happy and bubbly. And I mean, I was guilty of that once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew there was anything wrong because I would just hold it inside. So people act in different ways. Like I said, the entitlement. People can go into depression. You know, this can become a clinical depression. Mm-hmm. They can become mm-hmm. very ill. And because we're talking about energy, now I'm going to sort of go somewhere with some of your, uh, some of your uh, listeners may not think of going, and I'm going to just they do some thought-provoking here. We all have a chakra system, an energy system, and if we start destroying that or bringing it into imbalance, the worse that we bring it into imbalance, because money really affects our root chakra. Our root chakra on a visual level is like the basement of your house. It's the foundation of your house. If the root uh-huh. chakra it's complete imbalance. It cannot sustain the rest of the chakras. And it is the most vital one. It is the foundation. And when you start feeling like you cannot give yourself, it's the most primal one. All of our primal instincts, our security, our need to eat, all of our basic needs come from this root chakra. And when we start disrupting that and imbalancing that, we are doing ourselves such a disservice And every energy system is linked to different organs in our body. So if we start really upsetting the nature of things, if you will, the energy of things, we will become ill. We can bring ourselves even into mental psychosis, a Mm -hmm. depression. We just let it keep going and we can actually hurt ourselves in in a vast number of ways is what I'm trying to say here. 
and I would say, you know, you say some people might not like to think of it from the root chakra position, but I think everyone can agree that worrying about things can make you sick. And a lot of people do worry about money. We're going to go to break right now, and we'll be right back to learn more about how we can keep this attitude towards money in balance so that we don't have these health concerns. We'll be right back after this short message. In society, plant giving seems to be presented as something you do when you're extremely wealthy or planning your estate. Mindful Money Management focuses on planning your contribution at every step around the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and create a better world. Tune in to Mindful Money Management regularly. Feel free to contact Lynn Wedham of Asante Estate and Insurance Services with your planned giving questions. You can contact Lynn at lynn at mindfulmoneymanagement.ca. I'm your host, Lynn Wedham. With me is my guest, Aisha Hogan, and we are talking about healing your money esteem. I think that, you know, it's a very deep subject, and there's going to be all little different nuances of this discussion. Just before break, we were talking about being in balance from a chakra perspective. But there's a lot of ways that we can feel out of balance. And and whether we ascribe to the idea of there being chakras, I think we can all relate to being in balance or being out of balance. I'm going to say that, you know, actions that are motivated by desperation and fear often are going to result in more problems. Whether we made the right decision or the wrong decision, there's not going to be satisfaction. Would, Would you say that's true? Absolutely. We tend to question ourselves, and I think what we need to do is to have a little bit more confidence in that little voice in our gut and know that it's Mm -hmm. never going to lead us astray. So um, I think a lot of us listen to the big, loud voice in our head all the time, and that one's always questioning us and judging us. And we forget to listen to that voice in our gut that will always lead us down the right path. It's a hard habit to get into, but once you do, that big, loud voice in your head starts to get a little quieter and that little one in your gut starts to get a little bit louder. For sure. <laughs> yeah, and it's a good thing because you always go back and later and say, man, you know, I knew that and, I, you know, I had that thought and why didn't I do it that way? And yeah. that why didn't I do it that way was the advice that you were getting from your gut. So, I mean, it's the one that always protects us, right? And the advertising and the consumerism and all that stuff around us. I think it preys on, you know, you said, you know, we've got this loud voice saying, you're not good enough to have that car. And, you know, you're not good enough to live in a house like that person. So that's the loud voice. And then when all of these commercials come at us, they just kind of feed something that's already begun from ourselves. Yes. And it makes that voice in our head just that much louder. You know, yeah, you're yeah. right. You're not this enough and you're not that enough and that car for you and look at the big house they live in and the fancy car and look at that makes them happy. It's so amazing to me. And again, dealing with the clients that I've dealt with in my life and I sit there and I look at those clients and I've been with those clients and I can tell you they're not any happier or sadder <laughs> than mm-hmm. anyone else. You right. know, so right. they have their issues. They have their problems. Some of them are cash poor and just giving out the appearance. They're just not any different than anyone else. Right, right. And just before we kind of leave the idea of, you know, what money esteem is, 
just like to say that even if we look at spending or we look at saving, saving money because we're worried and fearful is not nearly as effective as saving because we're excited to be moving towards something. It's not very easy. It's hard to stay on track. Whatever you're doing, the right things even, but you're doing it from fear. It's, It's hard to stay motivated, I think, in that case. Doing anything from fear for any reason at all is not a good motivation, whether it's about money or anything else in your life. Doing anything because you're scared, doing anything because you're fearful is not a good way to do it. I mean, an example, a woman who won't leave her husband because she's getting beaten because she's scared. Mm -hmm. You know, doing any single thing in your life through fear is absolutely the wrong reason to be doing it. Right, right. And I don't think you get the same kind of multiplication from that. It's hard to see things multiply when when you're working at it from the fear perspective as well. Because your mind is not open, because you're not right. open. Because being right. scared means that you're closing yourself, putting yourself in a kitchen cupboard and closing the door, you know, sticking yourself right. in a closet because that's a place to be. So working from that perspective, you've shut yourself off from life. Yeah. And so you're going to shut yourself off from opportunity in that perspective too, right? So there can be an opportunity in front of you, but you might be afraid because what if it doesn't work, you know? Right, and trust don't see the opportunity because 97% of the time we're walking around on autopilot. We're doing the same things every day. We take the same way to work. We stop at the same place. We buy the same coffee. We go to work to the same place. We do the same job. We come home, we eat the same dinner with the same people. We do everything is exactly the same every single day. You know, and the only tip that I would give from right here to anybody who's listening is get off of autopilot. Start thinking about what you're doing. Things as so simple as walking from your front door to your car, you know, taking a different way to work, thinking about what you're doing, paying attention to what's going on around you. And all of a sudden, all those opportunities that were actually there around you the whole time, you're going to start seeing them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so have we described sufficiently what the money esteem is? Are we ready to move on to talking about the process, or is there anything that you'd like to add? No, I think we've discussed it. You know, those of us who know, like, the law of attraction know that scarcity brings scarcity and abundance brings abundance. We just have to change the way that we think, learn to change the way that we think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Let's talk about the process now. You talk about healing your money esteem. So what's the process? It's a two-step process, and it's individualized, and it's customized. So this is not something that you can pick off a menu item. You know, you come to my clinic and say, I want to do some Reiki, or I want to do some hypnosis, and there's a cost attached to that. Money esteem is a little bit different because it's customized and individualized to the person Mm -hmm. and what they need and what they require. Also, there's a practical side of this as me coming in and helping someone sort of get their day-to-day finances in order, bringing some financial organization to the chaos, making sense of what's happening. Just that alone is a big part of the healing. Taking that chaos and making sense of it for them is a huge part of the healing in itself. And then there's the mind, spirit, body part of it, and that is using methods to help undo, I'm going to say damage the imbalance that they've caused themselves through the way that they've been thinking, through the choices that they've been making, so to help them with those things. So if they've got fear, I have to deal with that fear. 
if they have become, you know, careless with their money, then I need to deal with that too. If they've become just rude, if they've become, you know, whatever it is, whatever has the end result, if they're depressed, whatever that end result has become, that's the healing that now needs to take place. And with all the modalities that I have and with my colleagues that I work with, I put together something that, a program that will help them with that last piece. I used to only fix people's financial chaos. And it wasn't until I went into my own journey of healing myself where I was like, oh my God, how could I forget this? This is like the most important thing. You need the two pieces together. Okay. When you were speaking about the sense of chaos, you know, I'm thinking like your first step is the person has to believe that they don't have to be in chaos. You know, I meet people and they say, I'm so bad with money. I just don't have a clue about this stuff. I'm just so bad with it. You know, like you've got to overcome that first, right? You know, this this isn't brain surgery. This is something you can do. Yeah, but you know, you know it's just like anything else. You can't reach out and help someone until they're ready to get help. So you can't true. help an alcoholic until they say, you know what, I'm an alcoholic and I right. need help. You know, there's there's that level of commitment on their end. And they have to understand that I'm only a facilitator. I am helping them to heal themselves. I don't have a magic pill, you know. So I'm helping to show them how they can not only heal and fix the situation that they're in, but continue it. And then it's up to them. You know, it's up to that individual person. But they need to be the one that comes and reaches out and says, help me. I really, I really need that. I really need someone to help me with this. They need to have that commitment. Right. So what made you develop this process for healing money esteem? When I saw how I healed myself for other things, and I've been working with different types of modalities um, in a holistic, in holistic healings, and I saw all the different ways that people were being affected by all these different outside influences, and I went, Money is so important. It's such a huge influence in our lives. And then I started paying attention. I started looking at people in a different way, like how is money affecting that person? How is money affecting that person? As I was dealing with people on a day-to-day basis, I started paying attention. It was like a light went off in my own head. And at that point, I was like, okay, I can do this. I know how to do this. I I can fix this, right? So I can help Uh people heal this. So I'm very excited about it, actually. It's, it's wonderful. And I've been working closely with a colleague of mine, Tark Sitar, from Ontario Hypnosis Institute, and he's just a genius. He'll be uh-huh. with me on the web TV shows that I'll be doing, we'll talk about in a little bit. And oh, the two of us together have sat down and really thought this through because I sort of wanted someone else's perspective besides my own. And just speaking with him, it's become huge. So it's wonderful. I can't wait to sort of put it out there. Okay. It's really time for us to go for another break now. When we come back, I'll ask you to tell us a little bit about your journey and then what's next for you, what's what's happening. So we'll talk a little bit about about your journey to getting to this point and what's in the future when we come back from break. Do you want to make a difference? What if you found a way to make a far bigger impact than you ever thought possible? Apply mindful money management and learn how to create a better world by casting a vote for your values every time you spend, invest, and donate. Lynn Wedham is available to speak to you individually or to your group. You can reach Lynn at 519-654-8300. 
1-800-242-4242 or by email at lynn at mindfulmoneymanagement.ca. Welcome back. We are talking about healing your money esteem today with my guest, Aisha Hogan. Aisha, I hear you saying that there are connections you know, obviously we know things are interrelated, but we often think of money as being something that's off here and then, you know, the rest of my life and the rest of the way that I behave is separate. What I'm hearing you saying is we need to look at this as, as a little more holistic approach and perhaps the way we behave around money just reflects more of other things that are going on inside of us. Would that be true? Absolutely, yes. Unless somebody, again, I'm speaking generally for people who are feeling that they have an issue, and I, you know, used to be that person, and now I I separate myself and how I feel about myself and money. You know, Mm -hmm. there's me and there's money, you know, and some people don't realize that they've sort of wrapped those two things together. So that's what I'm trying to do is separate and say, you know what, this is you. This is what you're Mm -hmm. made up of. This is your substance. This is you. And money is just something you need. It's like work is what we do. It's not who we are. So money is what you need to get through life, but it's not who you are. So it's sort of teaching people to differentiate that, that they have choices. They get to choose. Money doesn't rule them. They rule the money. Yeah. Or to think of money as being a tool to get the things that you want and to do the things that you want to do. Again, if it's a tool, it's separate from yourself, right? Right. I mean, if you're a carpenter, you need a hammer, right? Yeah. But you can be a carpenter without a hammer. You can figure out another way to do it. So there's pick up a stapler and hammer the nails in that way. So it doesn't define who you are. And I think that because it's become such an important thing in our lives, we've sort of forgotten that. Mm -hmm. So the way you talk about money in this more holistic approach or when you're talking about other things, you know, money is a part of this whole picture. This is a little bit different than we're used to hearing things talked about. What is the process? What is your journey? Tell us how you came to be in this position to be teaching us these things from this perspective. So I'm just trying to understand your question. So tell us about your journey that's led you to this point to explain money in this way. Okay, so in my journey, I came from a very, I think I know where you're going. Okay, so. I came from a very sort of dysfunctional background in my family upbringing. I'm not going to get into too much detail about that right now, no. but it, you know, everybody's situation was the worst for them and mine mm-hmm. was the worst for me. And through that, I went into two very, very bad marriages and made some bad decisions because I didn't have the tools that I needed to make the decisions that needed to be made. I was letting fear rule my life and I was letting everybody else in the world rule my life and not me. So... Right. So my always, at the end, my decisions that I would make finally for myself always seemed so erratic and crazy because I would just get so full and so full and so full of all the bad things that were happening that I would just explode. Mm-hmm. And it would be over something so small, and then that would be, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, and I'd look like a psycho because I'd be, like, <laughs> flipping out. And, and they'd be like, hey, I only moved this piece of furniture from here to here, but that wasn't what happened. It was like a 7,000 bazillion things that happened before that. So yeah, it was just the one thing that finally set me off. So um, I ended up in a basement apartment by myself with no job, a blanket on the floor, a TV, and that was it. And 
not knowing what I was going to do with my life. So from then on, I just kind of um, took that. Instead of letting that defeat me, I looked at it as a way that it was finally my time to get to know who I was without all of those outside influences and learn about me. I've always been a survivor. My whole life, I've, things have happened, but I've survived them. So I thought I can survive this too. And um, I learned. I opened up my, my bookkeeping business and I cater waited. In between the two businesses, I finally, you know, it, it, until I had enough clients that I could quit cater waitering and build my business. And I did that for a number of years. And my practice was very successful and I was always very busy. And that was with bookkeeping for small businesses and mid-sized businesses and helping people on an individual basis. And then I was picked up by um, Debbie Travis's production company to host Maxed Out because they liked what I was doing and how I was helping people. So I did that for a little bit, helped them develop that show and put that together. And then there was a point where my father died. After I was off the show and back into my practice, um, my, my father passed away six, seven years ago, and that was a breaking point for me. All of that stuff I'd been hiding inside and just dealing with and pushing everything down and just getting through life, I exploded. I started falling into a depression. I have to say, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't want to wake up anymore. So I kind of got to that point in my life where I was just tired. I just tired and exhausted and things were going good in my business life, but not for me. Right. Personally, I was not healing. I was still in the same place. I was still that scared little girl, afraid that I would end up back in that basement or on my own by myself again. And mm -hmm. um, I couldn't heal her. And I didn't know how to heal her. And I got to the point where I started crying all the time. And I, I went to psychiatrists. And just talking about my past on a continual basis was just making me relive it, and it was making it worse. I needed to find a way to make my life better, because I just knew if I didn't make it better, it was going to be over. And I found a spiritual path. So I started finding holistic healings that were making me feel better about who I was, accepting of who I was, learning how to love who I was, and realizing that everybody else's damaged lives around me that were affecting me were their problems, not mine. And I was carrying around all of their issues that they were forcing on me, and it wasn't my fault. And it was just things that I had to realize, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things I had to realize that were difficult for me, but I did it. And for the last four years, I've been on my spiritual journey. And I've always felt, I've always been a very giving person in my life, and I thought, if I can do this, if I can do this, then I can do this for other people. I can help other people. Because somebody mm -hmm. helped me. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. do this alone. And somebody right. helped me. And the holistic healing helped me, including my colleague, Tarek Sitar. And people helped me. And I want to do that for other people. Even a handful of people, then everything I went through in my life is worth it. Everything that happened to me is okay. It will give it more value. It's like, you know what, that happened to me so I can do this now. Mm-hmm. Well, if you hadn't gone through those circumstances, you wouldn't be in the position you're in to pass along what uh, you like learned, I'm right? There were things that you learned. And you talked about coming from a place of fear. But I'm hearing, you know, a lack of control too, right? That you didn't feel that you were in control no. of what was going on. You know, I think that's something people do need to know is that money is something they can control. Yep. It doesn't just have to happen to you. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And that's the whole thing. Nothing in your life has to happen to you. And the one realization that I learned that was the biggest pill to swallow for me was everything in my life, I brought it. 
I did it. Mm-hmm. I brought those things into my life. And when I sat there, because I was always like a victim, like, oh, why do people keep doing this to me? Why do I do this? Why does that person do that to me? You know what? It's because I opened the door and I let it in. That was my yep. fault. I did. Yeah. Right? So that was a big pill to swallow because I thought everybody was doing it to me. It was me that was doing it to me. Right, right. Even when you just, you know, make a conscious decision, okay, I'm not going to react to that person the same way. Right. Uh, or I'm not going to react to money the same way, right? In dealing with people, I think it's easy to say, I'm going to change the way I react to that person. And you do see a change in the way the person reacts to you, right? So Exactly, because we don't want to change that person, and we can't. We can only right. change ourselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I understand that you've opened a new business. So do you offer people help in fixing their money esteem through the business? Yes. So the Chakra House of Healing is um, a new business. It's actually two things. Number one, it's the clinic, which is healing your money esteem is one of the services or the healings that I offer. In order to do that, there's a lot of modalities that are part of that. Also, I mean, it's just as simple as if you want to quit smoking or if you want to do a regression therapy, it's all of that as well. But healing your money esteem is also one of the big items in the Chakra House of Healing. The second thing that the Chakra House of Healing is also, it's a web TV show, and it allows other alternative and holistic practitioners to talk about what they do. And not in a way just to other holistic people, but to everyone, to allow them to inspire, thought-provoke, say, you know what, there's other ways to heal out there. And I mean, I do a handful of healings, but there's so many. There's so many different kinds out there. There's so many places that people can go to get help. And I think that I know that the Chakra House of Healing is going to be a way for the healers and the people who have alternative methods of healing to be able to make people understand different ways that they can heal. In the same time, obviously, promote their businesses. One show every month will be with my colleague Tarek Sattar from the Ontario Hypnosis Institute, and we're doing an episode called Talk That Talk, and it's going to be once a month. And that episode, every quarter, financial quarter, if you will, we will be talking in depth about money esteem, but the other shows will be about other things, releasing ego, talking about grounding your root chakra. So the other shows every other month will be about other topics of our choosing, but every quarter we will be talking about money esteem further and further and further so people can actually really understand it, find ways to heal it. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be a good follow-up for people that want to learn more about this. How will they find the information about the TV show and your website and all of that? The website, uh, thechakrahouseofhealing.com. For those of you that don't know how to spell chakra, it's C-H-A-K-R-A, thechakrahouseofhealing.com. My Facebook page is, again, thechakrahouseofhealing.com. You can get me on Twitter, at the Chakra House. I'm on LinkedIn. Just keep on looking up thechakrahouseofhealing.com, or you can Google me, Aisha Hogan, and a whole whack of stuff will come up and um, allow you to find me. Okay. All right. That's good to know. So Chakra House of Healing, C-H-A-K-R-A. If you're Googling Chakra House of Healing, we should have all of that stuff come up. Perhaps the spelling of your name, if they want to Google you, we maybe should give them the spelling of your name as well. Aisha, A-Y-S-E, absolutely nothing like it's said. So Aisha, A-Y-S-E, and Hogan is just Hogan, H-O-G-A-N. 
And that's it. A whole bunch of stuff will come up. You'll find the chakrahouseofhealing.com. You may find my bookkeeping company as well, Synergetic. So there's a huge, vast ways of getting a hold of me. So mm-hmm. there's no excuses. If you want to get help, I am here to help you. Do we have time for some tips for people? You bet. Yeah, we've got a few more minutes because I understand you have some money rules as well. Okay, so I do have some money rules for people. Rule number one is organization and purpose. So that's basically, this is what I do on a practical level. This is bringing order to the chaos. All those piles of paper in your house, all of that, like where's your money going? That's what I take care of. We find out where the dollars are going. And we make sense of all the paper in your house. So that's one thing. Also part of that is organizing, making sure that you have a power of attorney and a will. Very, very important to find out what that is and what it does for you. Uh, Rule number two is bringing balance. So that's taking all that paperwork now and putting it either into an Excel spreadsheet or an accounting spreadsheet. I'm a QuickBooks Pro Advisor. They have a great online system right now. I can train you how to use it. It's so simple that you can actually treat yourself like a company, show how much money is coming in and where it's all going out and be able to make some really good budgeting decisions on a monthly basis to see what you're doing with all the money that's coming into your house. Rule number three is unexpected challenges. We never know if we're going to get into an accident, if we're going to get sick, if there's going to be some sort of critical illness. How many months are you going to be able to look after yourself with what you have in the bank right now? So that's something that we look into as well to help you start taking care of the unexpected challenges. Rule number four is obviously wisdom and peace is what I call it. That's your retirement. The question that I'd like to ask people is, do you want to enjoy your retirement in some sort of peace? Or do you want to be eating cat food? Making some sort of decisions in your life that will help you with your retirement. Let me just say that I am not a financial advisor. I do not do that. But I get you in a better place that you can actually start seeing a financial advisor. Start going to an investment advisor. You can't just walk in there with your chaos. You need some kind of organization, and that's what I help you do. And obviously, the other side, too, to help you clear your mind so you can start making some good decisions. And rule number five... The the most important rule is living from the end. Start thinking that your dream is not a dream. It can be a reality. Thinking Mm -hmm. from the end is so important. That's like not just saying, I want that. That's saying, I have it. I already have it. It's already something that I have. When I think about the Chakra House of Healing, it's going to be, or it is, a big retreat that people are going to go to someday where they're going to get healed by a various amount of healers. And they're going to get their financial help and they're going to get their healing and they're going to go for their yoga classes. I have it in my mind. I know exactly what it is. So all of these things are just my steps to get there. So you need to think from the end so that you can achieve what you want. It makes everything we go through life mean something. What I like about your process is that you've got this practical organizational part going on, but you're also looking at the behaviors and what's deeper than you know, we need this organization, but there may be a reason that we are ignoring this and not taking control of it. Well, sure, because I could spend months getting you ready on a practical level and then walk away and you're going to be right, you're going to be right back there. Yeah. So I need to help you change your behavior as well. So this becomes a permanent healing. Right. Yes. What little bit of further advice can you offer us? Or what's that point that you'd like people to be very clear about as we close today? I'm just going to give you guys some money tips. 
and just one on a holistic side too. So on a holistic side, I'll give that one quickly. Learn how to meditate. If you don't know how to do it already, learn how to meditate. And that does not mean sit in a room totally quiet if you've never meditated before and expect to have all those thoughts out of your head. Start learning uh, guided meditations. They're on YouTube. You can come and do them with me. We can do them through Skype. Um, YouTube's got a bazillion of them. Do some 10-minute clearing your mind meditations. Guided meditations are great for those who have not done any because it gives you something to focus on instead of all the voices in your head. And it allows you some time alone with yourself with nothing else. And you need that. It helps you heal. It gives you that time of nothingness in your head. We all need that time of nothing in our head just to be calm and think about nothing. That actually helps us make better decisions. So that would be my first sort of holistic tip. Um, on impulse buying, I'll give you a couple of tips. And that's number one, if, you, if you're out there in any of those establishments that you like to buy things in, whatever they are, my, my vice is shoes. 48 hours. Give yourself 48 hours. I have a sign in my bedroom that says, life is short, buy the shoes. I used to buy shoes all the time. Give yourself 48 hours. And if you still want it in 48 hours, go back and get it. But I can guarantee you, nine out of ten times, by the time you get home and back into your life, you will have forgotten about that item anyway. So mm-hmm. 48 hours. Okay. Freezing your credit cards is mm-hmm. a big one. Take your credit cards and freeze them because if you're out and about in public and you want something, you have to come home, unfreeze your credit card, go back to the store and get it. Chances are you won't. It's just time for us to close out here. So thank you so much for being with us. We've really well, learned a lot from you today. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. Thank you so much, Lynn. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We've come to the end of the show. I think that we've got some very important tips from Aisha today and very glad to have had her on the show. So this is Lynn Wedham. Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and your community. Bye for now. Thank you for choosing to listen to Mindful Money Management. We hope you'll join us next time. To listen to more shows like this one, please go to soundcloud.com and search Mindful Money Management. We appreciate your follows, likes, and shares. Until next time, remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community.